0: I hear the most when people see me on the street is, hey, Nisi girl, I love you, girl.
1: And I say, I love you, too. You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. It's hard to imagine planning out your career at the age of five, but that's exactly what Niecy Nash Betts did. She always felt being an actress was her destiny. Her desire to perform was kickstarted by watching Lola Falana dazzle on screen in the 1970s. But Nisi's path through Hollywood would be a practice in patience and determination. After landing her first role in the 1995 film Boys on the Side, Nisi began to take on small comedic roles and then in the early 2000s gained wider attention as Deputy Renisha Williams in the comedy series Reno 911. Witty, Charming and with impeccable comedic timing, Nisi has always possessed the ability to seamlessly move between any genre of comedy, but her talents also extend deep into the dramatic. She showed this side with her role in the 2013 series, Getting On, which was quickly followed by a powerful performance in Ava DuVernay's historical drama, Selma. Since then, Nisi has continued to bring heart, versatility, and depth to titles like Scream Queens, When They See Us, Claws, Never Have I Ever, and The Rookie, Feds, racking up multiple Emmy nominations, among other accolades, over the course of her career. This year, she received critical acclaim for her portrayal of Glenda Cleveland in Ryan Murphy's series, Dalmer, *Monster*, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story. It was an extremely important and challenging role for Nisi, one which Ryan Murphy wrote specifically for her. And in this conversation, we dig into that experience in addition to chatting about her career and current state of mind. Hi, Nisi. Hi! You are going to be the first person that I'm going to record in this new podcast studio that we built at Netflix. It's very exciting. Oh,
0: wow. Nice.
1: Yeah. And I was just talking to Isabel about how much we're all in love with the photos that we did of you for the Q cover. I'm so excited to see you. It feels like I got to run into you a little bit and now I get to really dig into some of the stuff. Incredible, incredible run you've had lately. And we're going to get into Glenda and obviously Ryan Murphy and all of that stuff. But what I think is so incredible about your journey is that you had, I'm going to say this, you had such urgency with your patients. It was like two things happening at the same time. (laughs) And, And as an actor, that's kind of an amazing feat.
0: Well, I feel like even when you are making baby steps, baby steps are still progress. You know, sometimes you want to get all the way to the finish line, but... As long as you arrive. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I don't don't discount baby steps at
1: all. Nope. And you knew it and you just kept plugging away and one in front of another. And now it seems like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course she can do this. Of course. Yeah, uh, we always thought that, but we we know it's different. All right. I'm going to take you back to the first time. So you worked with Ryan on his first ever series, Popular. I did. Right? So. Looking back on that kind of initial meeting and working with him, it's almost 25 years since then. What is kind of different and evolved from that first time that you met him to working with him now on Dahmer?
0: Well, the first thing that I can think of is it is the first audition I had ever gone on where I recognized all of the women in the room from television. Most of the time, it was just a handful of faceless girls who all had stars and hopes and dreams in their eyes, you know. Um, you know, we we shared a common space in that we all were chasing the thing. The first time I went to audition for Ryan, I recognized every girl in there from having been on series television. I walked in, I looked at the room, and I turned around and I walked out. <laughs> And I said, you know, and I had a panic attack and I prayed. And what was laid in my spirit from the Most High was, if you believe where I'm taking you, these women are your peers. Turn around and go back in there. So I turned around and I went back in there. I put my big girl pants on. I said, hey, y'all, how's everybody doing? I went in, I auditioned, and out of all of those women, I am the one who booked it. And it it just confirmed for me what I already knew that there is a place for you and how that has changed and evolved with Ryan and I now. I went from walking into a room being a nervous Nelly um, and auditioning against you know all of these seasoned women to now at um, monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, getting a phone call from Ryan that just said, hey, what are you doing? I've got this thing I want you to do. <laughs> I'm a big girl now.
1: Yeah, he wrote the part. I mean, he wrote it for you. I mean, there was no one else for this part other than you. And I can't imagine anybody else but you playing it. And and this was such a delicate project because it's it's bringing up a lot for a lot of people it's it's there's a lot of darkness around it it's a you you just it's challenging to watch but but at the end of it you're like fuck glenda cleveland like glenda cleveland we now have a window into what that was like as opposed to just seeing the headline but for you as a, as as an actress how did you get into playing her, a real life person, but it's not someone that's famous and there's these tropes around playing this person that you kind of know, this image that the world has of playing this person.
0: Sure. Well, first of all, I said yes before I knew what it was. Let's start there. You know, Ryan called, said, I have this thing and I want you to do it. And I said, okay. And then I found out what it was. So I had already said yes so by the time i started to unpack exactly what the charge was i said oh my you know what i mean i have to get as much information as i can in order to do this justice and think about it if someone has gone uh overlooked and unheard and now you get to give vent to their voice you there 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 is There is something inside of you that makes getting it right mandatory.
1: And how do you know you're getting it right? Like, how do you get to that point?
0: Well, first of all, you listen to everything that that character is saying, and then you trust your gift. You understand the assignment, and then you trust your gift to bring it to fruition. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. And you also had talked about how you find in all your work you find some commonality with that character, right, within your own life. Sure.
0: Any character I've ever played, I find a place where that character and myself intersect because I have to, I have to feel it and be able to bake a little bit of that into it. Our commonality.
1: Mm. Well, this it, it was so frustrating. To learn that there is this woman who was screaming this, and no one was listening. I mean, I I found that so um, enraging to watch. Like there's someone that is calling the police, commenting on the behavior, saying, "Hey, pay attention." But because she's a woman, because she's a woman of color, no one's paying attention. Because he's he's this got white. Boy, man, whatever that they're like. Oh, they're just believing whatever he says, regardless of the behavior. How is it mm-hmm. to to sit in that, feeling that frustration as obviously as the artist and being Glenda Cleveland, and then also as the human living in this world as Nisi? Well,
0: it it's frustrating, It's painful at times, a jarring reminder. That some of the the some of the things and themes that we explore in this series are things that still happen today. Women are still not believed. Marginalized communities are still over overpoliced and underserved. White privilege still runs rampant. I mean, that's today. Mm. So it, it, it's not a a, a, um, a far reach. To say, oh, I wonder what, you know, exploring this idea is about. No, you just got to wake up and look around.
1: How is it we're working with with Ryan at this point in, in the two of your career where you've had so much, each of you have had so much success, you've had success together. How is that actor-director, you know, actor-creator relationship?
0: It's beautiful. Our working relationship is very easy. Ryan calls and he has me at hello. And then I figure out how to make his dreams come true. <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes.
1: Well, I love you can tell there's so much trust between the two of you. He trusted to know that you're going to, you know, play, create this character to, to the to the vision and to exactly what he wants and vice versa. You have to trust him. It's funny because I asked Ryan after
0: I read it, I said, baby, why did you call me to do this? You know, because a lot of our life together or our experiences together have been with me being funny. And I said, why did you choose me for this? And he said, there is a depth that you have that I know will do this character justice and I can't see anybody else doing it but you. So I was moved by his trust in me. Because you see, uh, wanting to let my community know that I wasn't just a one-trick pony has been a passion of mine. I, don't get me wrong, love being funny. But I wanted to let the industry know, you can count on me in other spaces and places. It was a hard-fought fight um, to invite people to see me like I see myself. But ryan did that ava duvernay did that mark Schaefer and will Olson, who cast me in uh getting on on hbo did that so my um my actor angels or my actor fairy godparents have come in and said we see you and it allowed the industry to meet me in a different way now i did have, for me, I'm going to call it the luxury of filming Dahmer and a Reno 911 movie at the same time. People said, how do you go from set to set? For me, it was necessary because I needed the light from my process. I couldn't live in it. I had to tap out and
1: then come back. And that that kind of switching back and forth. So for you, it's almost doing the Reno night, which was just comedy, pure comedy. Yeah. It was almost like an elixir for then going back and, and doing yeah Dahmer. Mm-hmm.
0: Because the weight of Glenda Cleveland's story was heartbreaking. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. many nights when I didn't have a Reno to go to, I would come home with tears in my eyes. Because you think that although... Glenda was not killed by Dahmer. She was indeed one of his victims who suffered a long time. And it's the weight of that that was completely heartbreaking.
1: Mm -hmm. And there's one particular scene I want you to talk about. And that's, I mean, obviously, like uh, Evan Peters, who does a is a man, you know is a very good job as Dahmer. You you actually don't have that much interaction with him; it's from a distance and down the hallway. But there is one scene when he actually comes in your apartment, and it is so at once threat. It's so threatening, right? Like he's in your space. You, the audience, doesn't know what's going to happen. Then to watch her kind of take control of that scene, and and make him like stand down and eventually leave right when he's trying to get her to eat the sandwich and all this stuff i mean just take me through that as an actor it's just brilliant because you know glenda's got to be terrified too because we're we're her in this situation but but you couldn't let him see that and it was just this balance i mean you should get all the awards for that scene alone
0: well, thank you. I will tell you that the added pressure to the scene was that Ryan showed up on set. And it's like, and you and I hadn't seen him in weeks. He popped up and was like, I've been waiting for this scene. I said, oh, God, <laughs> stress me out. Why not? Um, but that scene was a very delicate dance between Evan and I. And at any given point, we we traded off on who was leading. What do you do in there, huh? Where? In that damn apartment. The smells, uh, uh, the power tools going all hours of the night. I'm just building something. Well, what about the screaming? What's screaming? I hear screaming coming from your apartment. Hmm. Sometimes I have nightmares. What about that little Asian boy? I don't know. We broke up. And what about Dean Vaughn? You was talking to him in the hallway, then I never saw him after that. Tell you what, you tell me where he is. I'll take back the complaint. I don't know where he went. My goal in that scene was to let the audience feel every bit of fear and anxiety that I felt in that moment. But to also show them the bravery that I was uh, putting forth in order to stand my ground with Jeff Dahmer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it was a lot going on. You know, uh, you know what does he have to say? Can I get any more information about these missing boys? You know, is he going to try to snap my neck while he's in my apartment? Oh, my God, the door is uh, almost closed. Will anybody hear me if I scream? You know, I can't let him think I'm afraid. There's a million things running through Glenda, and I needed the audience to be on that ride with me to experience them all through my eyes.
1: And we were. I mean, it was we were with you the entire time. I mean, that it is it, just such a powerful scene. And it's made even more rewarding because you don't have many scenes together. So it's kind of building to this confrontation.
0: The the breath that I take at the end of that scene mm-hmm. was because in some ways I felt like she had been holding that breath that entire time he was in that apartment. And now I could let my shoulders down and, and you know. Get over here and lock this door.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, I did not know your real life daughter played your daughter. When I watched, I was like, cool, she's very good. Um, and I love that that's actually your daughter. I did not put that together um, until I was reading up. And I was like, that was that must yeah. have been a treat as well.
0: Which which was another gift because, you know, children, you um, they don't, they don't bear these, these emotional weights the same way adults do. So it's one o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to get into character and make sure I'm present to what the scene calls for. And my baby is like, hey, mom, you want to do a TikTok? I'm like, girl, you know, so that 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 light was was welcoming. Like, I loved having my baby with me on set. Anytime I get a chance to work with any of my children or my spouse, I take it.
1: Mm. Did you have any trepidation about your kids going into the business at all? Not
0: from the standpoint that
1: I didn't think that
0: they could do it or would enjoy it. But some of my children are sensitive. And and this business is, uh, you gotta have a thick skin. You know what I mean? Uh, but they, they enjoy it and I support them in it. Um, But I'm not a momager. You know, you have to get your people and I I can I can show you what to do, but I'm not driving the car. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You have to eke out the career you want for yourself.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And and she's talented. She got some of uh, definitely a little bit of a chip off the old block there. I thought she was great. (laughs) And I didn't even know she was related to you. So you can pass that on. I thought she was terrific. Oh, she'll love to hear that. So. Comedy. Obviously, you came on the scene, an amazing comic, a lot of success in that. Getting On had that great mix of where you have to be really funny in order to show real pathos, too. It. it was that beautiful mix of being funny and being serious and sad at the same time. It was, that, that show was, was genius, and you were a genius in it, along with a great cast, Laurie Metcalf. I mean, if people haven't seen it, you should watch that a series. But. Do you think it was really Ava DuVernay first in Selma that really saw you as a dramatic actress?
0: Well, it's a catch-22 because Mark Olsen and Will Schaefer, who cast me in Getting On, I didn't play Getting On funny. You know, uh, Alex Borstein really kind of her and um, Mel Rodriguez, you know, and even um, uh, uh, Laurie Metcalf. Mm -hmm. But my character was way more grounded. You know, she never played anything for the funny. Mm-hmm. So I think it started there. But shortly thereafter, Ava saw me in getting on, and said, "That's my Richie Jean." And then she cast me in Selma. Mm. And then after Selma, I I called Ava, I texted Ava, I DM'd Ava, I tied two cans together with a string. I sent a carrier pigeon and said, I have to be in When They See Us. I, I will be anybody. I will be the lady who sweeps up the courtroom at the end, but I just have to be in this movie. I have been following this story my entire you know, life. Like, I, I have to be in this. And I said, I will audition for anybody. And she responded, audition. I would like for you to be this character's mother. And then I was in that movie. Mm. So I would say, you know, the the groundedness started with Mark and Will, but Ava saw something in me that led to a real run at the dramatic uh, roles. Mm
1: hmm. And I should say to our listeners, you were Dolores Wise, uh, Corey Wise's mom, who spent 12 years in prison, wrongfully accused uh, of a crime he did not commit. Again, yes. holding the audience's humanity and tragedy in your performance. Um, Thank you. That series. I am I mean, Ava knows I love Ava. <laughs> I just think she's brilliant um, and I'm so excited to um support her and see that success. And you guys are also in the, you're you're in cast, right? Didn't you do a third part? So how is, how is your working relationship with her evolved?
0: Oh man, that's, that is someone who I proudly can say is one of my dear friends. Like I love her. Like we have become really, Good friends. And um, I tell her, I say, when I miss you, I just call you and you end up casting me in something. And that's the only way we get to see each other all the time is if I come to work with you every day. It's like bring your friend to work day. Every time we get to do a project together.
1: Well, I did see you—the uh, TikTok of you singing on uh, on the picket line was it was hilarious with with Ava. I love oh, that. That yeah. certainly went. It wasn't off. a
0: plan. I I just thought we were gonna march back and forth with our signs, and then we showed up on a day when it was picket line karaoke, and everybody was like, "Well, why don't you start it off?" I said, "Me. I can sing." Well, hand me the microphone. You know, <laughs> what could you do? In my mind, I'm a Vegas show girl. <laughs>
1: Um, All right. Another thing I want you to talk about here, which I was also struck by having covered this business for a long time. I think it was in a Variety article. You talked about how it's your job when you get a job to get other people a job.
0: You better know it. Let me tell you something. My blessings are not my own. I can't speak for anyone else, but I'm telling you about me. Nisi Nash Betts. I have never gotten a job and not gotten someone else a job um, because I want that blessing to feed other people. I don't care if you a grip, a PA, a stand in, you write songs, you want to sell music, you know how to curl hair. What do you know how to do, baby? Come on over here and let's let's get it going. Um, and I will always live my life that way. When I entered this business, nobody helped me. I didn't have anybody to call and say, hey, can you get me a job? Hey, can you help me do this? So I, I am passionate about helping any way that I can, especially when it comes to a job. I mean, they gonna hire somebody, right? So, you know, why not? You know, try to get people that you love or people you respect, you know, or people who need a shot and opportunity. And I will do it to the day I die.
1: It feels like that's that kind of energy cycle that just keeps coming back, just keeps coming back.
0: I pay it forward and I will do it every time. My blessings are, are are not my own. My mother says all the time, she was like, that's why you you work a lot. That's why you, well, you know, on the streets, on the mean actor streets, they call me Nisi. keep a job, Nash. But <laughs> here's the thing. I do own that that is true. But in to a large degree, because, you know, my mother says, you make yourself and you're in the opportunities that you have available to other people. And I'm like, okay, if that's the reciprocity of the universe, I'll take it.
1: I want to take you back a little bit to the beginning. I I was at the SAG Awards. I was so struck by what you talked about turning around on the phone book for your grandmother and knowing, like, I want to be on TV. I want to do that. And the journey that it took you to get basically to where you are now, you know, like that first break, it was not easy. You had three children. You were, you know, you, you had a whole life almost before you started. What was that turning point for you as an artist, experience yourself and knowing that you had this destiny and having this confidence? What was that turning point for you to say, I'm going to go for it regardless?
0: Well, I just had my third baby, the baby who was with me in Dahmer. And I remember asking my ex-husband at the time, you know, we were a young family and he was like, well, you know, now you got to go back to work and get a job. And I said, I have given my life over to give birth to other people three times, nine months of my whole life. I did it three times. I said, can I have nine months for me If in these nine months, I don't make, you know, headway in entertainment, then I will go back to work. You know, a traditional nine to five job. And he said, okay. And in those nine months, I made my, my job was being in pursuit of my career. and. I made it to about seven and a half months, and I had booked my home makeover show, Clean House, which ran on the Style Network for almost nine seasons. Uh, I booked, two weeks later, I booked Reno 911, and a week after that, I booked recurring on Bernie Mac as his sister, Auntie Benita and I never went back to work.
1: Were you shocked at every turn? Like, or, or, or was it, I mean, that is an, that's an incredible run in a very short amount of time.
0: Grateful, extremely grateful, shocked. I don't know if that's the proper word. I was filled with gratitude, but I knew that that was the call on my life. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if I order a sandwich at the drive-thru window and then pull up to the window, am I gonna be surprised that it's a sandwich in the bag? No, because that's what I ordered. You know what I mean? But here's the trick in that drive-thru. There are things that come with it that maybe you didn't order. Like, why did these fries get in the bag? You know what I mean? And ask for. So, so there are things that come along with it that include ups and downs, but the 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 manifestation is never surprising because it's as it should be. You hmm. know, when you're walking in a call on your life, that part is as it should be.
1: Where have you seen the most growth for yourself as an artist in the last year or last couple of years?
0: the most growth for me would probably be leaning into the dramatic realm because I don't get those parts every day. And so really trying to make sure that uh, my instrument is being used properly for the work um, that I'm asked to do, I think there has been a lot of you know growth in that area because I've been able to move around anymore.
1: Hmm, does it make you miss the comedy at all? Um,
0: I love to do both. And and, and you know what happened, it was funny because I was doing comedy all the time. And I was like, wow, I really wanna do this other thing. Then I did this other thing. And then I got called to do another thing and another dramatic thing and another dramatic thing. And I was like, oh Lord, people forgot I'm funny. I need a comedy, quick. Um, so it is finding the balance in the industry that, uh, is fun. You know, it's like putting a puzzle together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, you know, so I, I take so much joy from hosting. Don't forget the lyrics. You know, it's funny. It's improv. You, you know, you got to think on your feet. You know, those things are always fun to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I always try to... Try to find a way to keep both of them going at the same time. Not always easy, but I'm always trying.
1: And is there any any things you you want to do? Like I was just saying earlier, like I need I need a Niecy Nash superhero. Like I need Marvel to call. And I shouldn't say that because I work at Netflix. But come on, I've already could see the costume. I could see it all. Like, do you have those kinds of? Um, thoughts or aspirations for yourself at this point?
0: Oh, of course. I mean, because the gift is not just in tone, but it's in finding things you've never done before. I think I would make a fantastic superhero. I also think I would make an amazing villain. Like I've never really played anyone who was mean or had, you know, uh, ill intent. You know, uh, you know, or who was you know really really rough around the edges. Uh, that could also be fun. I mean, anything I haven't done before, I'm I'm up for. It.
1: Hmm. I love it. I would that, love to that, see.
0: That's how that's how you keep it fresh.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, you'd be a great villain. I would love it. it would would be, be a villain we'd all be rooting for. Uh- I know.
0: I mean, even if I mean, you know, when I say villain, I just don't mean in the superhero sense. I mean, superhero could stand alone. You could be good or evil. Either way, I think it would be a lot of fun to play. But I mean, like, you know, you saw a lot of darkness uh, in Tony Soprano. You know what I mean? You saw, you know, even the the the, the villainess in uh, Cruella De Vil. I mean, so it, it you know it it doesn't matter the the medium. It's just that 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 character that I haven't been called to play yet.
1: Hmm. I like the way you keep your hand in it. Never, I'm watching Never Have I Ever. There you are. These roles that you play in a variety of other projects, I think is really great too. It's just, it's so nice to share the wealth.
0: Oh yeah. Never have I ever, uh, which both of my daughters ended up getting cast on that separate from me. I mean, through their own agent, through their own audition, both of my girls were on never have I ever. Um, and both of my girls were work with me on the rookie feds and my spouse has worked on rookie feds with me. Um, yeah. So I try to try to find things that, you know, sometimes are a little lighter, you know, than, than than others. And then, you know, you got the weighty stuff. So, I it's a balance in that, for sure.
1: Mm. All right, well, I've been asking everyone this question uh, this season on the podcast. I try to, to, you know, vary it up a little bit. Sometimes they're really heavy questions. This season, it's really light and silly. And I want to know, what do you hear most when people see you on the street?
0: The thing that I hear the most when people see me on the street is, hey, Nisi girl, I love you, girl. That's what the majority, and I don't even know where they know me from. I don't know if it's Reno. I don't know if it's Rookie Feds. I don't know if it's Never Have I Ever, but hey, Nisi girl, I love you, girl. And I say, I love you, too.
1: Oh that's so great. Well it is so I love having a, a a ringside seat to seeing you getting recognized by your peers and by this industry for just you know decades long work but you really are extraordinary in in Dalmer and it is it's just a privilege to be able to witness it and i love talking to you and you also did my friend rashida's show claws that we didn't even get into but i loved in that oh, too
0: baby didn't i love playing desla wow yeah. and i love rashida matter yeah. of fact we're getting ready to go to a hip-hop class together oh that's oh. uh love her and yeah claws wow that now that was something you know, that was that was a good time, you know, playing um, a drug dealing manicurist. It was great.
1: It's, it was. I remember when they were putting the show together and I remember Rashida and I've known each other for a quarter of a century. And she's like, Anisi Nash I was like, this is going to be amazing. And it was amazing. And it is a cult classic. I mean, people reference it all the time.
0: That was a good time.
1: That's great. Well, it's great to see you, Nisi. Thank you so much. I can't wait for you to see these, the the pictures when they're all done. And we really appreciate you partnering with us at Q and, and doing the podcast and everything.
0: Of course. Thank you so much.
1: All right. I'll see you later. Hey, girl. bye right. <laughs> Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Love you. <laughs> I love you, too. Monster: The Jeffrey Dahmer Story is streaming now on Netflix. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to Netflixq.com for more. That's Netflix ecom